0: Good morning and welcome. to the Patriot Radio News Hour, live on a Monday. I know it starts all over again. February 27th, another month ready to go into the history books. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group. Our toll-free number 800-951-059 to the website at allamericangold.com. You got the news to disturb the comfortable out there, all the great video clips, the articles, uh, SoundCloud. Don't forget to follow us on, on SoundCloud, our podcast. This week, for the very first time ever, we will have a, a separate audio. Uh, Danielle Martino booth Uh, We are going to have an interview set up. We're doing it tomorrow. Uh, She is the author of Fed Up. And And I'll tell you what, I got this book last week, and I couldn't put it down. It was everything I thought it was going to be. If you want to know what it really is like inside of the Federal Reserve, and I'm not talking about, you know, the Fed governor, the Fed chief, writing their books, right? I'm not talking about Greenspan or Bernanke or Yellen. Uh, Danielle was, what, spent nine years inside the Dallas Federal Reserve. It's a fascinating book. Uh, Again, it's called Fed Up. Uh, We we are going to get together tomorrow. Uh, We're going to tape the interview. It'll be on our podcast. So make sure you follow us on SoundCloud, and you can listen to the whole thing. Uh, on Wednesday, we'll play part of that interview for you live on Wednesday's show, uh, but we'll have the whole podcast up separately. Uh, first time we're doing that. Uh, don't forget, follow us on Twitter, at Patriot Trading one uh, Matter of fact, today uh, tweeted out there was two big pieces of economic data out today, Neither one of them was very good. We'll get to that today. Uh, we've got the blog there. We, I mean, we got everything. It's so interactive. Uh, the shopping cart, anything you could possibly want to do, you're able to do out there at allamericangold.com. Uh, I just to, you know, I've been solo here for about the last week. Uh, Homer, who's been with us for uh, over three years, this was the start of the fourth year, you know, he is, He's been a headhunter his whole life. That's what he does. Matter of fact, you know, he'd do the show here, but he was really recruiting, you know, trying to find people work. That's what he does. That's what he's always done. And the dramatic reduction in companies wanting full-time employees, it's been incredible. And, you know, one of the... You know, we had a great resource in Homer in in getting all of this different type of information to us. And really it just got to the point there's just not enough of them out there. Not enough companies want to hire full-time employees anymore. Uh, he's got some opportunity now he's going to be doing, uh, well, temporary, part-time, you know, that kind of stuff and, and doing it. Uh, we're not set up to do that here so he he is uh, unfortunately going to be moving on. We wish him all the very best and you know you got to do what's best for your family you got to go where the bunny is right <laughs> I mean that's what you gotta do and that's what business is all about and uh, we wish Homer all the best and we just thank him I mean it really was you know when when uh, Eric decided he was going to retire. And I stepped up and said, "You know, I can't let this thing end. Can't let this company down. Can't let it come to a close. We've been doing it for so long." Uh, and I bought him out. You know, Homer was there to to kind of do it with me. You know, it's always nice to have a friend with you because it's scary, right? I mean, that's scary stuff. And uh, I can't uh, can't thank him enough for all that he he did for me and and. Uh, how much he's helped me over the years. He's been a great friend, and we, we wish him all the best. I hope you do as well. Uh, having said all that, got a great another great program lined up for you. Uh, like I said, we're going to talk about uh, the two big economic reports that came out today, pending home sales and big ticket items, right, durable goods. Two big drivers of GDP were in. Uh, you know, both of them were well below what was expected. We'll talk about that. Warren Buffett. You know, Warren Buffett's kind of like the granddaddy that everybody likes. You know, he's so nice, and, and he was out on TV this morning, and he had some fascinating insight. Really, he really did. Talked about stock market valuations and said, well. You know, if interest rates were normal, it'd be way overpriced, right? Kind of like, well, wait a minute, so you're saying if the Fed didn't have rates where they're at, that none of this is really worth anywhere close to what it is that people are paying for it. and that's really what he said, and he said, but hey, since they're not normal, then yeah, it's great. Uh, then, then had really, I, again, I think, very, we got a very interesting. I don't want to even call it a fight, but we're just in this horrible situation that's coming. Remember, uh, Stephen Munchin last week, the new Treasury Secretary said, "Hey, we got to talk about a fifty-year and a hundred-year bond." Today, Warren Buffett came out and says, "I don't know why. Who in the right mind would want to buy a thirty-year bond?" His exact quote was, it was absolutely baffling to him. We're going to talk about that and so much more. Don't touch that dial. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back. Patriot Radio News Hour, Double J, and all of you, what a year it has been. I mean, here we are just closing out the second month, uh, both gold and silver up. Double digit for the year. Gold's up ten percent. Silver's up fifteen percent. Matter of fact, gold's up another four seventy twelve hundred and sixty three dollars right now. Silver's up ten cents, eighteen dollars and forty five cents, as I would say probably the big news of the day, and I'll just read it to you. This was Warren Buffett on CNBC this morning. It absolutely baffles me. Who would buy a 30-year bond? And really start thinking about it. Who would buy a 10-year bond? Who would buy a 5-year, a 1-year, a 2-year? Who would buy a 30-year bond? I just don't understand it. The idea of committing your money at roughly 3% for 30 years, it doesn't make any sense. It really, you think about it, of course it doesn't. And really, this is what the Federal Reserve, and at the same time, you got to remember, and oh, by the way, if it did return a normal rate, if it returned 7, 8, percent, over every year for 30, then you'd say, yeah, that may be something I'm interested in doing. Of course, the problem with that would be is then the stock market would be way overvalued. And so now you're sitting here and we're talking about what is going to happen? Who's going to pay for all this stuff? How's it going to get done? Tomorrow, uh, Donald Trump's going to give a speech in that speech we are supposed to get I guess they're calling it an outline of all the new spending he wants to do there, I don't know if it's a leak or if it's been leaked but apparently 50 he wants an extra $54 billion a year in defense spending in the leak and I'm calling it a leak because I'm not sure how this got out. Uh, whether it was the, the, the Trump administration or the, or not, uh, doesn't appear that it is. But whatever it is, they say that he wants at least for the defense spending. He he wants to cut other government agencies, and and in particular, I know they're looking at big cuts out of the. Uh, State Department, and then big cuts, at least according to uh, what is out on CNBC this morning, the EPA. Unfortunately, that that doesn't get you anywhere close to the $54 billion. Uh, We'll have to see what else that entails. Uh, Not to mention, he he said today he wants to increase infrastructure, uh, infrastructure spending huge And then, of course, all the huge tax cuts uh, that he has been talking about and and really how big is the budget deficit going to get. I think we'll have a little more clarity on that tomorrow, but I think this is part of the reason why you're seeing uh, gold rally and you're seeing all these yields, these debt yields falling. Right, Even though they're talking about the raising of rates where we had what last week Germany bond yields hit a new record low in into the negative rates? I think our ten year I saw today was only was down to two point three percent. And really you almost have to think the only way to to keep the illusion of prosperity is they gotta go lower again, don't they? I mean, could you really imagine? A Fed, a Fed funds rate of 5, 6, 7%, and what that would mean for the United States taxpayer, what that would mean for the deficit. And then you start thinking about all of this great economic reporting. At least what the Federal Reserve keeps saying has been happening. Of course, I've been on record, I've been saying this all along. That the federal reserve has become a bunch of academics who deal with these models and have very little or no use for the actual data and when the actual data doesn't work in other words hey we, we did this right we lowered rates so that should mean that companies should be hiring and and people should be going to work because they're going to borrow more money and so on and so forth and it's going to get GDP growth and all of this stuff. Of course, only good stuff, by the way. You know, you, they never tell you what the bad stuff would be. But the good stuff. And it hasn't happened. And so what they've done over really decades They've just changed the data. Right? They call it seasonal adjustment. Like we're too stupid to understand. You know, and I and I liken it to those people. We all know them. You know, people. And, and, and most of the time, I don't want to say, most of the time these are really, really intelligent people and they've got no common sense this is what we have now at the federal reserve and i'm so excited this is why i really think wednesday show is going to be great but but uh tomorrow after we get off the air about an hour or so after i get off the air i'm going to be doing an interview with uh danielle martino booth a former member of the dallas federal reserve Uh, richard fisher was her boss he was uh Probably, not probably, he was the only one during the crisis that was voting against all the, you know, the quantitative easing and the rates to zero and all. He was the only one. So it's going to be fascinating. And I've already, you know, I've read the book, so I already kind of know what it is that that she's going to tell you. But I think it's always better when you don't take my word for it. But it really, truly is. It's become something that I think most of us are like, how did this happen? How did we get these people that have no real life experience, none? How are they in charge of making all of these decisions that allegedly are affect the real world? but yet they don't have any real-world experience. It's like, you know what, it's kind of like this. Take your your kids, let's just say you're running a business and, and your kid's never worked there, ever. Matter of fact, he's never even had a job. His only job was to get good grades at school. Then he goes off to college, he gets his degree, He comes back home, and you say, congratulations, son, take over the business, and you walk out the door. Right? He has no real-life experience, has no idea how the business works. Matter of fact, never even stepped foot in the office. But somehow, because he got this piece of paper, that's going to make him qualified. Of course it doesn't. But this is what we have at the Federal Reserve. You know what? The funny part is it never used to be that way. It used to be that they could both, there was always a few academics, right? You know, because you had to get your, you know, your economist out there. But they made up just a tiny fraction. Now pretty much the whole Federal Reserve is nothing but that. So we've got that coming up. And the funny thing is, is here's why I think it's so important. Because if you would hear Janet Yellen talk, you would think that GDP, if you didn't know the numbers, if you didn't know the numbers, you would think that GDP had to be somewhere 3.5 to 4.5%. Had to be. You would think real wages must be going nuts, right? Just growing by leaps and bounds. And and that we are in danger of overheating. And then when you look at the real data, the only thing that really is true about it is prices are getting more expensive. But that's it. Wages aren't going up. GDP is almost non-existent. Take today's data as an example. We talk about, you know, what has uh, been going on in pending home sales. So we, we look at probably one of the biggest drivers of GDP, right, automobiles and home sales, both of which have been slowing today pending home sales missed expectations and they missed them by quite a bit and and uh home pending home sales were down almost three percent matter of fact it was the worst number in over a year and and i guess the you know kind of what i said which was wait a minute the housing market which is kind of stabilized right let's or a negative for home sales? Of course, the answer I came up with is that's a negative. Makes homes even more expensive, not less expensive. And, of course, after the, you know, you get the first little bump of everyone trying to get in before the rate hikes, and once that settles out, now we're starting to get the real numbers, which is less and less people looking to buy homes. And then the other part was, what did they talk about adding... Oh, how much more confident businesses are since Donald Trump won. But when you look at... Did they put their money where their mouth is? We haven't seen it. In January, it got even worse. Business investment off to a poor start in 2017. Aside for... Commercial aircraft and defense aircraft—you got, you know, there's a good jump in aircraft orders. Problem with the aircraft orders: when you order today, that order won't start being built for like five or six years. So it's kind of a meaningless number to begin with, but nonetheless, uh, if you strip that out, orders for durable goods minus aircraft fell. I'm trying to find the down. Here you go, down four-tenths. When you strip out uh, new cars and trucks and you strip out aircraft, it got even worse. Orders fell for computers, networking gear, electrical equipment, uh, primary metals used to make a variety of heavy-duty goods for businesses and consumers, all falling the the key measure of business investment and remember they're all super optimistic and one of the things i keep trying to you know i don't want to i don't want it to be true but i think it's going to be is they're only optimistic is they're going to get a tax cut their orders dropped big in january We'll have to see what happens. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly, and continuing to uphold her legacy by honoring family values, opposing radical feminism,
1: and representing a conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios, here's Ryan Haidt. In the city of Hayes, Kansas, an ex-employee known for union activism sued a police department for firing him. During his lawsuit, an existing employee provided an affidavit in support of the ex-employee. The police department then fired her, too, and she subsequently filed her own lawsuit. She insisted that she had a First Amendment right to submit an affidavit in court against the police department without being fired for it. But, in one of the first appellate decisions of the new year, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Tenth Circuit ruled unanimously against her and dismissed the lawsuit. The court held that the police department, as a public employer, has a strong interest in avoiding disruption by employees. Public employers are allowed to fire employees if they might cause disruption to the internal operations of the employer or to the employment relationships. Even though public employees have some rights of free speech, those free speech rights are outweighed by the need of the public employer to operate smoothly. In this case, although the employee's signing of her affidavit was absolutely an exercise of her First Amendment rights, it caused enough potential disruption to justify her firing, the court ruled. Police Chief David Schiebler testified that the employee disclosed confidential information in her affidavit, making it impossible for him to trust her. The court also wondered about the employee's loyalty to her supervisors or whether her real allegiance was to people outside of the police department. Based on this and other evidence, the court found that the employee's signing of the affidavit had a detrimental impact on her working relationship with her supervisors and thus they were justified in firing her. Proof of actual disruption by an employee is not required, the court held. Instead, it found that the mere possibility that an employee's speech might be disruptive, in this case the signing of the affidavit, was enough to justify the public entity firing her. The police department wins a victory for keeping law and order and avoiding disruption among its own employees.
0: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Want to join the spirited debate over issues you care about? At pseagles.com, conservative strategists are blogging about education, radical feminism, climate change, national security, parental rights, and other issues you care about. Stay informed and add your own comments at pseagles.com. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Warren Buffett says he's absolutely baffled. (laughs) Why would anybody be buying the bond market? And that's going to become a big, big problem as Donald Trump is getting ready to release his outline. He's going to give a speech tomorrow. With all the spending that he wants to do, we'll see how uh, how many offsets there are I think there's going to be a very good chance. We are definitely going to see some border tax. I don't see how we can't. Because what, at least what I've seen, right, if you want to add $54 billion to defense, the numbers that I'm hearing on infrastructure, that's another 40000000000 billion. Let's just round it up. Let's say there's $100 billion. Right, you got you still got to build the wall. Then you start throwing in all the tax cuts. Right, next thing you know, you're 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 up to three, four, five hundred billion dollars easy. And really, when you start thinking about the budget, let's Social Security over a trillion dollars a year. They're not doing anything to that program. Medicaid, Medicare. Well over a trillion dollars a year. They're not touching that program. I mean, I think between the two of them, we almost get to $2.5 trillion. Then you've got defense spending before the increase. And now you're up to pretty much like $3 trillion, plus the interest on the debt, and it just doesn't leave enough. I mean, if you got rid of everything else, then maybe it would be deficit neutral. I mean, I mean you'd have to get rid of everything. It's kind of it's the most interesting times we've ever lived in, and and I'm going to tell you, history will not be kind, and people have a hard time understanding it. Right as all of the great empires that have fallen before us, how did it happen? Right, and and we. We, we put our trust and our faith in, in people, and, and we what? We just said, hey, no oversight, no nothing. Just go ahead and, and do what you do, which is really what? Peddling debt, right? We gave the money changers. We put them in charge. And right there in the Constitution, our founding fathers said, don't ever do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. but you know what the power and the money took over and now the greed and now somehow you've got to believe that you could have prosperity through debt and and you start thinking about I saw this article, it was in the New York Post, I don't know if, if you read that paper uh, I, I don't read it very often but Here's what they wrote about all of the student debt out there. A serious misconception. Almost half of all college students recently polled believed they won't be saddled with student loans soon after graduation. According to this survey, they contacted students and their families that had student loans. So so everybody they talked to has student loans. 49.8% believe they would be able to receive federal forgiveness on their student loans after graduating. Why not? Because you know what? That's what they're all talking about, right? Isn't that what Bernie Sanders ran on? Free everything for everybody who's going to pay for it. What is that going to do to the debt? The U.S. Department of Education says that federal direct student loan borrowers can get off the hook if they enter public service jobs for a specific period of time, you know, get a government job, agree to teach in an underserved area, die, or become permanently disabled—those <laughs> are your only choices. And they, oh, and they said, or if the school you attended shut, shuts down. Well, they are enrolled or within 120 days of them leaving the school. So, just to put that in perspective get a government job for a specific period of time. I don't know how much time that is. Agree to teach in an underserved area the problem is you actually would have to have a degree in that underserved area and i got a funny feeling liberal arts isn't one of those areas my favorite one well you can die right then they will forgive you become permanently disabled Or maybe you'll be lucky enough that your school that you're at closes down while you're still there or within 120 days of you graduating. By the way, that's like four months. That is the only way, at least currently, to get debt forgiveness. But this is it. This is the misconception. And this is really how it's all handled and how it's all happened, right, is is they get you to believe. It's just like how they got us all to do the 401K. We're gonna help you build your nest egg. We're gonna spread it all around, and, and we're gonna send you, you know, you got little pie charts and bar graphs, and you'll select the aggressive fund or the super aggressive fund or the conservative fund or this or that, and you check a few boxes, and we'll even give you incentive by by letting you put the money in pre-tax. Of course, you're all finding out the the evil side of that is always oh, right when you need the money the most, when you got to pay back the taxes. So just remember, all of that money in your 401ks and your IRAs, right? a third of that belongs to the government. It's not yours. And then, of course, right, they told you when you got to 55, you were going to get out of that risky stock market. And you were going to buy bonds. And you were going to get somewhere between 6 and 10% a year. And you were going to live off of that. Of course, now what do they tell you? Yeah. Uh, but look how cheap things are, right? I know you're 65, but why not? Buy a house. Take on some more debt. Who cares? Pay radio news hour. We'll be back. So here's what we're trying to figure out. If we're actually making less money than our parents did, we've got, I don't even know what to know, how much more debt than our parents did. I really think about it. When my parents went to college, there was no such thing as a credit card. At least not that my parents could ever have. And credit cards really didn't even exist till like the sixties. And they were truly what? For an emergency. student loan you didn't need a student loan to go to college you could work and go to school and be able to pay for it I know incredible concept and now we talk about hey the second you hit that college campus you're inundated with what debt. Now when you get to your golden years, right? When you're supposed to have your house paid off and throw the the mortgage party, right? You paid off your mortgage and all this stuff. No! Now your financial advisor's telling you what? Why would you want to do that? You shouldn't pay off your mortgage. Go buy a house. What are you doing? Money's so cheap. what he's really telling you, all the things that you slaved away for really was, wasn't worth it. And when the history books write about it, they'll be a, a, a cruel. I mean, these are people they know better. Right? They've forgotten everything that they they ever went to school for. They forgot. Well, you know what? Let's face it. Most of them don't even know business at all. And all is they do is they have these economic models and they got their PhDs and I'm sure they're all very smart people. But now we live in an era where what we have blown the biggest debt bubble the world has ever seen. Ever. And you know, you just start putting it together. Look at all the retailers that are closing. Matter of fact, I just saw a headline: uh, retailers at the most distressed levels since the beginning of the crisis. And this is supposed to be the good time. This is what good times feels like. And you really think all of this is going to be okay? It's going to work out just fine. Donald Trump's going to save us. And when you really start looking at facts, the unemployment rate's almost 10. That's a fact. It's not my number. That's the government's number. The only thing they did is decided they wanted to change the way they counted it so they could give you a better number that fit their model. Actual pending home sales falling. Actual car sales falling. The problem is they're still building too many cars. We we saw that in the durable goods report today. Actual business investment that they count for GDP fell six-tenths of a percent in January alone. That's a fact. And we sit there and we wonder how are these people, how are anybody in their 20s and 30s ever going to afford to buy a home? How are they going to afford to buy a $30,000, dollars 50000 vehicle? And here's what we've learned. They're going to rent them. Right? We're going to rent a house. We're going to rent an apartment. We're going to rent a condo. We're going to lease a car. Right? I'm going to have credit card debt and student loan debt and my rental debt and all of those things and nothing to show for it. And somehow the Dow is going to be at records? You're kidding yourself. You know, and the whole time here, just like I said, I told you, right, Cole's going right back to where the election happened. Boom, today, here it is, 1,265. Silver, 1850. And you know what? They're just getting started. And the reason why they're just getting started is because the math's on their side. Right, since 2011, they've wanted to believe that they fixed it in Wall Street. Let's see, these are the most optimistic people in the entire world, right? They, these are the same people that wanted to believe there wasn't a housing bubble. These are the same people that thought liar loans were going to be okay. And that some guy, some baker in California making $50,000 could absolutely own six homes. These are the same people that thought kittycat.com couldn't miss. Who doesn't love kitty cat? And they wiped you out time and time again. And you sit there and you start thinking about how all of this is going to end. Listen, if you don't prepare, the only way you're not going to be affected. You know, I'll go back to what they say. How? Here's how you get out of student loans. The only way you're getting out of this is if you've died first. That's it. I wish there was another way, but there isn't. The debts are unpayable. The unintended consequences of zero rates is starting to rear its ugly head. Now all the pensions are broke. Warren Buffett's on TV. Who the heck would buy a treasury note? That's idiotic. It makes no sense. Paper Radio News Hour. Final segment coming up. Final segment on a Monday. Gold's at a new high for the year, uh, $1,265, up almost $7 this morning. Uh, silver higher as well, $18.47. Uh, the Dow is down 20 points. The s and is down two. The NASDAQ is down three as both pending home sales and durable goods both missed. Uh, the bigger one, durable goods. The business investment that they count towards GDP fell six-tenths of a percent in January. Just a huge drop as well. You know, it, it's one thing to be optimistic. Nothing wrong with that. I'm really opt. I'll tell you right now, I'm super optimistic that where gold and silver are headed. Not only this year, but in the next 10 years. Super optimistic. Nothing wrong with that. But you gotta have the actual what results to back them up, and that's where the business stuff is falling down, right? People aren't buying cars, people aren't buying houses, people aren't buying clothes. Look at the retailers, look how many are closing. Today we've got a, a we've got seventy ten dollar liberties. And then just another great opportunity here. A little over about forty-two dollars and fifty cents over spot. There's six hundred and seventy-five dollars. There's seventy of them remaining. Take advantage. Put them away. You know, you think about it, if you bought two of them, it'd be like thirteen hundred and fifty bucks. Spot gold at twelve sixty-five. It's incredible. Take advantage of the opportunity. Eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. We're not getting out, right? We're just ready to take, what, the next step down, right? We're just getting ready now, right? The economy's fizzling out. And I've been saying it, Donald Trump knows this. The economy slowed down in 2015. It slowed again in 2016. It's slowing again in 2017. He's got to ramp up deficit. It's, we're in the perfect storm of the perfect cocktail, we can't get out of it, and their only solution is more debt, and it's just not working. Make sure you take the time, put some away. U.S. $10 liberties, they're $675, it's a little over $42 over spot. Just an incredible opportunity. Uh, then, we, And I do have, and Wendy just handed me this, we have $25, just 20? 20, is that the number? $25 libs. These are the quarter rounds. Those are at three fifty, also historic low premium there as well. Uh, so uh, we have you covered here, ten dollar liberties, these are the eighteen sixty six to nineteen oh sevens, the the legal, lawful, constitutional to meet all the minimum standard for privacy, non confiscatability, all of those things you're looking for. Uh that's six seventy five. The five dollar libs are at three fifty, our toll free number eight hundred. Nine five one zero five nine two. Got a lot of. I I, I suppose after tomorrow, we're going to learn a lot more. Hopefully, as to just how much spending is going to occur, and and I believe Donald Trump. I think he's a man of his word. I think it's going to be a real big number. Patriot Radio News Hour. Take care, everybody. Have a great day. We'll talk again tomorrow.